Did you know that you could get even longer interviews with some of the most successful creators? You can with How I Built It Pro. With How I Built It Pro, you get extended ad-free versions of every episode. We cover things like pricing memberships, how to make course creation even faster, building a creator business while also parenting, current events, and more. Plus, you'll get bonus episodes where I offer a behind-the-scenes look at what I'm working on, the revenue for my own creator business, experiments, and video demos of the tech I talk about on this show. You can join How I Built It Pro today for just 5 bucks a month or 50 bucks a year. Sign up over at howibuilt.it slash pro or use the link in your podcast app. Most attempts to start a community these days feels like the same approach the underpants gnomes took in South Park to make money. Step one, launch a Discord. Step two, uh, step three, community. But it's not like that at all. And Drew Dillon, founder of Burb and a community expert, is here to set the record straight. Throughout this episode, I want you to look for these top takeaways, that you need to think of your community as a business and create a reason for people to care. That when you're building a community, start with a hypothesis and what you think your audience has in common. The last to the previous two episodes will help you understand that a little better. And don't do things at scale first. This one was really illuminating to me because I always over-engineer things and I think that I need to put the perfect system in place before I have even one community member or one paying customer. But do things that don't scale at first. I think you'll love this episode, especially if you're trying to build a community or have aspirations for building a community. And in How I Built It Pro, we are going to talk about Gumroad and their move to charge sellers 10% flat across the board. So I hope you enjoy this episode. You can find all of the show notes over at howibuilt.it slash 299. Thanks to this week's sponsors, Ahrefs, Paid Memberships Pro, and LearnDash. You'll hear about them later on in the show. But for now, let's get to the intro and then the interview. Hey, everybody, and welcome to How I Built It, the podcast where you get free coaching calls from successful creators. Each week, you get actionable advice on how you can build a better content business to increase revenue and establish yourself as an authority. I'm your host, Joe Casabona. Now let's get to it. Hey, everybody, I am here on episode 299 of How I Built It with uh, Drew Dillon. He is the founder and CEO of Burb, which is a really cool... Uh, there's a couple of things that are really cool about Burb uh, that I'm probably not going to do justice, so I'll let Drew talk about those. But um, Drew and I got connected thanks to Jay Klaus's community, and uh, he had a really great episode of SPI that we'll also dig into. So without further ado, let's bring in Drew. I didn't mean for that to rhyme. Drew, how are you today? <laughs> Good. Thanks for having me, Joe. Thanks for coming on. Uh, so we were in the pre-show, we were talking about how, um, you know, you did work at Yammer and uh, did, was it you, you were also at Patreon or it was your co-founders who were at Patreon? Uh, yeah. One of my co-founders and the, yeah, one of my very best friends was, uh, was at Patreon. Nice. So you have a lot of experience in, in the community building area. Um, we'll get to Burb in a, a minute um, because Burb is kind of the the solution to, I think, what could be a lot of problems in building community. Um, and I'll link to this in the show notes, but I did an episode of my podcast where I talked about my failed attempt at building community, largely inspired by your interview on SPI, which I'll also link in the show notes. Um, but I guess the main question and maybe a a, a common thing that people think is, Community, like, can I just start a Discord and now I have a community? Like, is that it? Just join and now we have a community? Yeah, woof. I think there are probably a few million uh, crypto discords that are total <laughs> graveyards right now that probably <laughs> would disprove that theory. Um, yeah, fundamentally, I think you have to think about a community, especially if you're building a community business, if you're intending to monetize, sell memberships, 
or you know even have a free community where you deliver you know paid content and that's just kind of like your distribution method for paid content you have to think about what you're building in terms of like building a product and that's you know really where where my brain always goes cuz I'm a product uh builder but the the reason and why people are going to come back why they care about it why they're going to engage and then and then figuring out kind of the closing the loop of the product at the end of the day the community isn't just about going there and meeting you the creator but it's about the the other people there that's kind of the secret sauce of community ultimately so you have to think about all those different moving pieces kind of uh separately the the why the what uh and then the connection and then I think if you have all of those components, then you've got, you know, you've got a really interesting community business. And that's how you kind of create a thing that keeps growing and keeps perpetuating and, and really offers a lot of value to your members. Yeah, I like that a lot because it's really, like you said, I mean, it's not necessarily just about direct access to, to you, the creator, right? If people want that, then they could probably pay you for coaching, right? Or, or private, you know, private consulting or whatever. Um and so that's really not a community part. And then the other thing, right, is is uh, the field of dreams approach doesn't work, right? If you build it, they will come. Um, they won't come. And and when I talked in my episode, right, my cold open was basically about um, building community and uh, how I felt like it was easy in college. Like you would just go somewhere and other people would be there. Or if you wanted people to come to your event, you would say like, oh, there's free pizza. Uh, and I thought like, oh, building it on the internet would be super easy because there's no geologic, uh, geographical, geological, uh, geographical boundaries. Um, mm-hmm. But there is a lot more competition, right? Like on a Thursday night on campus, especially a dry campus, right? There's probably not a whole lot going on. Um, but on the internet, there's a lot, a lot going on. And so you need to create the, the like you said, the why the reason for people to come to the community. Yeah, we think about this a lot in terms of of product development because if you're, you know, if you're building a SaaS tool, if you're building, um, you know, a consumer website, your competition is every other website on the internet. If I can flip open another tab to Twitter, if I can, you know, stare at my phone and watch, you know, TikTok instead of listening to a podcast, you know, that's your your competition. And the way you know, people joke a lot about, um, you know, MBAs and them not, you know, how worthwhile they are in, in technology. <laughs> the one thing you really learn from MBAs is like how much modeling that stuff, building the graphs and charts of like user activity looks like econ. Because at the end mm. of the day, that attention is actually modeled like it works a lot like currency. Um, so currency, monetary exchange, things like that, that actually maps really, really closely to attention and ways people spend time on the internet. And uh, there are, you know, there are unique moments where, you know, it's going to be a lot better, easier to listen to a podcast in the car when you're on a train, something like that. But when somebody's sitting down in front of a desktop, it's like, it's prime time. That's, you're you're competing against everything on the internet that they could possibly do. And you really got to have, you know, a reason for somebody to care. Yeah, that's super interesting. Attention is modeled a lot like currency. It's it's even more scarce, right? Because like you, as Bill, I think Bill Gates said this, the only thing you can't make is more time, right? And yep. so like you could always, well, s- certain types of people can tend to make more money when they need to make more money. Um, nobody can make more time. And so uh, we all have the same amount of hours and we're all competing for those hours. Uh, I, I yep. love that. That's super interesting. Um, so. My next question here, and something I struggle with a lot, um, and it looks like Burb kind of works with um, a lot of different platforms, right, is how much does this platform matter? This was always, I think I lost a lot of community members along the way by changing platform, thinking, well, no one, people just don't like Facebook, so we'll move to Slack. Oh, people are like Slack fatigued, so we'll move to Circle. Oh, people don't have a login for Circle, so they don't, but it's, um, how much does platform matter there? That's a good question. I would say there are times where it absolutely matters, but on the whole, I would say, you know, ish. Like it's not, um, the, the biggest determinant of success will not necessarily be the platform. There'll be, Format considerations, 
Um, something you know like Slack or Discord are very chat based. Uh, I tend to find chat based communities either look or you know can feel overwhelming or they can look dead, and there's mm-hmm. like no in between. Whereas something like Facebook, which is a little bit more like a forum or circle or or my networks or something like that, those are a little bit more approachable um, in terms of you know when I come in, I don't feel like I have to go read every single possible thing. I don't feel like I have to respond to every possible thing. Uh, the content can age a little bit, and it doesn't look like it, you know the, the community just died. Um, and then there, I do think the there is a good size consideration of uh, technical acumen and where people are. Uh, so a lot of Facebook communities do have trouble moving because, you know, Facebook, they're already there. Right. Uh, flip side of that with a certain type of audience, they hate Facebook and are never going to be there. So that like, that does create like at least a gate at the beginning. Yeah. Um, and like the creation, you know, something we hear a lot about is like not another login. I don't want to log into this thing, that thing, this thing, that thing, just to like see what's happening in the community. Yeah, um, and some people will be allergic to even one other login. Um, so there are those those elements do come up, but I I don't think they're as you know impactful as you know people can create in their heads. Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of the reasons that I was paying for like the higher tier in Circle was because my courses were all in WordPress, and I thought, oh well, uh, Circle will allow single sign on right with WordPress at the higher level, and so that won't be yet another login. That'll surely get people to join. Um, and it didn't, uh, probably for a few reasons, right? I wasn't creating a reason to be there. I was having my VA or later Zapier post prompts, the same prompts every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, right? Yeah. Um, and they were all, they, all of my courses are self-paced. So people were taking them at different times. And if someone was taking a, a, a the course, right, they would post questions in there. But my courses weren't selling as, as you know, it's not like I was selling like dozens a day or whatever. Um, and a lot of people buy aspirationally. And so it was usually one person posting a question and then me chiming in with the answer, um, which is not very community-based. And again, I think I missed the boat, right? Because for my two biggest launches, I didn't have a community. And so I missed the opportunity there. So um, I think you're right. I always I always got held up because I was like, do you want like Facebook, Slack or something else? And it was always like half Facebook, half Slack. And then somebody, like people going like, oh, Slack is only for work. Or I hate Facebook. And I'm like, great. So I don't know what to do. Um, (laughs) Well, we find a lot of times is, you know, and we started our own community this way. Uh, We started out with just Zoom meetings. Like, cool, we're going to do group coaching once a week on, you know, Tuesday, Tuesday, Thursday session, two different time zones. So you can figure out, you know, what what works for you. we have a circle space, but that is going to be where we put the content, the output of our Zoom meetings. And like, don't feel like you need to engage there. Like, that's not that's not what we're expecting from you in using um, that space. And then over time, we started to build up more and more like content in there and more reasons for people to be there, uh, such that it did actually start to get uh, some usage in the circle space. But even today, it's not like you know, it's not buzzing the way like you know Jay's community is. Uh, yeah. it's, you know, it's quieter, but at the same time, we're like, okay, but we built a community, we built relationships, we built reasons, like people do come back when we, uh, you know, when we reach out to them. So it's, it's there. Yeah. Shout out to Jay. I'm all, you know, I'll link to his episode as well, but, uh, he's done a really good job, uh, to the point where like, if I'm gone for a couple of days, I almost feel that overwhelm, right. Where I was like, oh, there's so much, um, but his is also one of the only communities where I have like email notifications turned on for new posts. Yep. Um, because it's just, it's really, I mean, like Denise, this morning as we record this, like posted her experiment about writing a book, which is very uh, uh, prescient, I guess, for me or very relevant to me right now. Um, and so, yeah, he's done, he's done a great job. But I like what you said here. Start off with Zoom meetings and, and then you have a circle space. Um Based on again what what you said in the SPI interview, right? Uh, more events, um, invite coaching clients into the community and and make it so that they can talk there. Um, those are things that now with the podcast liftoff playbook, which is my newest product, right? I've kind of I had courses all over the place, or like WordPress and development and podcasting or whatever. I'm just like those are all free on YouTube now. 
Um, and I'm really focusing on only podcast content. And so now I have the playbook. And I'm that's how I'm working on building up the community now. So it's really asynchronous at this point. Every quarter I'll do like a short cohort sort of thing um, via Zoom. And then I post the replays in the playbook. And then I'm I'm also doing like these experiments, right? It's uh, as I was recording the first one, I was like, "Am I stealing this from Jay?" And I'm like, "No, I wrote this down like a year ago." <laughs> um, like it, it's a lab and experiment; it's not like one person's idea. Um, where I'm encouraging them to ask questions and post comments in a very asynchronous way, and as that grows, um, and maybe I'll find the need for real time chat or a forum plugin that's not BB Press. Um, and so, uh, sorry, BB Press friends, but it's just like that. It's, <laughs> software is a disaster. Um, uh, it, it's like it's like bolting a, a a jet engine onto your electric car or whatever. Like it's just like it's too much for that. Anyway, um, but I'm doing exactly kind of what you recommended in that, right? Like do us do some more live events. Make it so people can access the content in a single place um, and keep creating content that makes them want to log in more. Um, And I'm doing that on kind of my own time frame now, uh, which I think is is going to be slower, but I think it's, I'll actually end up eventually with a community of podcasters. Yeah, I think, you know, I think about... You know, there's been, I think it's dying down now, but there was this huge wave of like, everybody's doing cohort-based courses. Um, and I, like, we looked at that as it was coming up and we're, our, the Burr product was built around a lot of initially people doing cohort-based courses because they have extremely high operational needs. Like, there's content, there's meetings, there's, you know, assignments, there's all this kind of stuff. Um, how do you orchestrate and drive all of that kind of stuff through a community space? Um, but I think that the the hype of that is dying down a bit. And I think what we what we retreat back to the the baseline of this is that people learn in different ways. They want different things out of their uh, learning experience, and ultimately, learning is about some form of transformation. And so, if you buy you know a course, you buy a specific piece of content, like that is about uh, learning something very specific on your own time don't necessarily expect, you know, a ton of support out of that. Um, Support's kind of a bonus in those those sorts of scenarios. Then you have like a cohort-based course, which is time-boxed. It's extremely interactive. It's community-based. And so what that really is good for is like rapid transformation within a short period of time. From now until when this thing ends, I want to get better at this thing. I know exactly what that thing is. And so the like, also the offer needs to be very, very clear. Like, here is where you will be at the end of you know this this month and a half, you know, three month cohort. Um, and uh, also, it's because it's that time commitment. You're you're expecting a lot of that person, and that's why it's also you know tends to be very expensive because um, you're, you're they're putting in a high investment. Whereas you can think of yeah. the final piece, which is a learning community um, or a community of of interest. These are people who are on a much longer term journey. Uh, who are looking to meet other people on the same journey, who are looking to grow together in the same direction. Um, and your goal there is just like like any product, getting to a narrow enough kind of definition of what that journey is so that I, as somebody who's coming in for the first time, could say yes or no, this isn't for me, this, this is for me. Um, but also that I know who those people are going to be. Who am I, who am I going to encounter in this community? What can we, what are we going to do together? Um, and the beauty of that one is really you can kind of take a step back and be more of a guide rather than, you know, the other two where you're, you know, you're still kind of the creator on stage. Um, so you can kind of shape the community, shape the growth path. Um, and something I think we don't do enough of in memberships and community, which is also like graduate people. You know, like you've, you've done it. You've achieved the thing yeah. you wanted out of this community. <laughs> like maybe you can stop yeah. paying the membership. You can come back as a mentor and we can interview you, but you're, you're done. Cool. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. And that makes perfect sense. Right. Cause I think like the other thing is you think about memberships, right. Is, is, Oh yeah. We got to prevent churn at all costs. Right. Um, yep. And like with a, a community, a learning community, your online courses, right. There's going to be a point where they don't, 
you know, you don't pay for college forever. Um, yeah. you, you, like you said, you graduate at some point. And I think that's, it's healthy to want to graduate people. Right. Yep. Um, and, uh, and you could always kind of continue growing with people for a long time. Right. It's not like three years and then you're done and they're never going to be a customer again. Right. It's, it's maybe for me, it's three years to help them launch and grow their podcast. And then maybe they want private consulting for me to help get more sponsors or build their membership or whatever. Um, but you know, at I I think that when you have a, a learning based community, like you said, it's it's healthy to think about uh, when will they when will they graduate. Yeah, I think about a lot. I used to do a lot of uh, product management related uh, meetups and stuff like that. And most of the people you're going to meet at those product management related meetups are you know trying to get into product or they're very very junior or like trying to get a job. And so for me, who had been in the field for like 10 years, like the conversation is, you know, not great. It's not useful for me. They're still talking about one-on-one stuff. How do I convince my boss? I'm like, I am that boss. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't need to be in this discussion. <laughs> I'm not getting anything out of it. So we did, we branched off. We created like a product leaders group. Um, the only challenge there is like, you know, with any community, we, those people are extremely busy. So just getting people to meet up for lunch once a month was, was challenging. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, when we actually did get together, the conversation was just very different on a much better level for me. So you can also even, if you're the person who can lead the leaders group as well, you can also think about it as new offerings and new, you know, new capabilities to your community. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so I, I really like this dynamic that you presented here. Uh, about because I think like yeah cohort based courses were all the rage. I wanted to do one, and then I realized that like launching a podcast is maybe not the high dollar CBC that I would want to have. Um, especially because I have like all of that self paced, and so I think more like group coaching, guided coaching is really the thing that for four weeks a bunch of people can come together and we can talk about either launching a mini podcast or getting your first sponsor or whatever. Um, and then they have the opportunity to ask me questions as a group. I think that's really the model that's worked for me lately. Um, and so in 2023, I'm really going to lean into that. Um, and so uh, I, I really like what you, you've presented there. Let's take a step back for a minute. Let's say somebody has a mailing list of, say, I don't know, 1,108 people. And many of them were from a previous product, um, but they're still... Yeah, they're still somewhat engaged. What what would that person need to do to kind of re-engage those people into a community? Like, let's say I'm starting from, I guess I'm almost starting from zero here, right? Or someone listening is maybe starting from zero. How do you build that community? Like, how do you get people to want to participate? Yeah, first thing, you know, I think you could, uh, the first thing I would do is form a hypothesis. Okay, based on these, you know, eleven hundred people, uh, what do I think they have in common? What is the what is the largest group in this audience? What do I think that they need? Why do I think they would want to come together? What do I, you know, where do they see their their journey going? And what are some of the interesting things that we could deliver that would keep them coming back? And I would also, you know, to that effect, if you're already doing group coaching and stuff like that, also not get too like narrow on your definition of community. It's it's okay and it's fine to um, have an expansive definition of community that includes those Zoom meetings, you know, like high Zoom attendance, mm-hmm. you know, high email open rates, you know, group chats and stuff like that are, you know, a million percent community as much as, you know, paying for a big community platform. Um, yeah. And so when you form that hypothesis, okay, now I think I'm have this person in my audience. They, I think there are about X number of them. This is what I think that they want. Then the next step is to get a couple of them on, on the phone, like start talking to these folks. And the hardest thing here is not push polling. It's not telling them what they want. Cause when you get somebody on the phone like that, when you get them on a zoom, they're the natural social inclination is to be like, yeah, Joe, that sounds like a great idea. I'd absolutely show up to that thing. Like, no, they won't. Yeah, <laughs> you gotta, yeah. you gotta find ways of asking the question without asking the question. And when they start repeating back to you, you know your own hypotheses as you're 
your hypothesis should evolve as you're talking to all these people. Like, what would you want out of this? What are you looking for? In what way are you hoping to grow? Do you think other people could help you with that? Uh, when you start hearing the same thing over and over again, oh yeah, I will. You know, I would show up for this. This is really interesting. I'd love to meet people in you know kind of this position. When you start hearing that over and over again, like okay, that's interesting. Now you've got like a reason to gather uh, information that they're going you know to want other people that they want to talk to, and then the next piece is you know um, testing into it in some way, and so that's where an event, group coaching thing. You know, maybe set up a, a single event or a, a workshop series over time, smaller overall dollar amount, um, just to kind of test into it and see who buys. Like, you know, they they said they were interested in this thing. Are they going to put their money where their mouth is? Uh, are they actually going to buy the thing? And then if they do, uh, then great. You figured out who you're targeting, what they're interested in, that they will pay for it. And then all you really need to do is start connecting those folks, like actually doing that work. So in that workshop series, leave time for the breakout rooms, make sure people are actually chatting in your follow-up surveys, ask them if they'd like to connect with each other after the event, um, ask if they would like to continue the event, um, and then just keep iterating from there. You'll, you might need to, any one of these steps, you could sit there from now until forever um, <laughs> because you, you know, you need to figure out whether or not that's a, a thing that they want. Um, but then once you get past kind of all those steps, then you can open up a small beta community, use those folks, like we were talking about before, maybe use a, have a space there that's primarily for content and keep most of your like community in Zoom um, and just see, you know, kind of what happens and evolve it from there and then eventually open it up wider when it seems like people are really engaging and enjoying the experience. Yeah, that's, wow, that's such great advice, right? And I, I want to key in on uh, the like get a couple of them on the phone, right? Because this is like a common thing in when you're thinking about a business or a product or like, oh, would you buy this? Yeah. yeah. Sure, <laughs> I'd buy this, I guess. Um, or like, is that something you're interested in? Uh, yeah. I'm interested in getting more sponsors, right? Like somebody was like, I want to show you our sponsorship platform. And I'm like, I have a system. I told them straight up, like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get your product, right? Um, I am, I have my system I don't really see the benefit in me paying for you to do it or in having my sponsors pay you to connect them to me. Um, so that's just like not so, but most people won't do that, right? They'll be like, oh yeah, I'll hop on a call with you. Um, yep. And so I think that that's like asking open-ended questions about, you know, what are your biggest struggles, right? How do you find guests maybe is a good one, right? And and again, as I'm thinking through, right, maybe like podcast swaps is a good idea for my community for people to connect with each other because that's a proven way to grow a podcast and yep. finding people to swap with can be hard sometimes. Um, yep. So I think that's that's really good. Now, let me ask you, because I, I, uh, if the people who or, organize this conference or happen to be listening, this is not like a dig at you. This is just something I've been thinking about a lot. But I sat on this, I sat on this panel um, for a conference and the conference was like, oh, we want to talk about building. So like they got me to agree to the panel before I knew the topic, but like I proposed to talk and they're like, oh, we want to talk about building community. And I was like, okay, if that is the case, I am not qualified. I have not successfully done that even once. Um, I mean, maybe Drew, based on your definition, I have, right? Because I had, you know, I had people coming to some meetups and webinars or whatever, but in, yep. in, before today, my definition of community, like it was not <laughs> successful. Um, and they were like, well, don't you think a podcast is a community? Uh, so what do you, is a podcast a community or what is the, what is the one thing, right? If, even if we go broad, what's the one thing that makes a community a community? Yeah, I think, and and I'll disagree with some people on this, but I think fundamentally it's that the people are pointed at each other. Like it can be that you are delivering content, uh, but there needs to be the follow-up piece of like the the audience connecting and with each other um, that, that forms a community to me. Um, so some people will say that a newsletter is a community. I I don't agree with that. I think it can be if if you highlight you know a a person in your community, you know somebody that you're connected to in your newsletter and the newsletter respondents reach out to you and you connect those two people that can be, you know, kind of one of those proto communities. But I think fundamentally things that are more broadcast from creator out are, are more of an audience than a community for me. 
yeah, th- that and that was pretty much what I said. He's like, you know, I really think a podcast is a community. And I'm like, it's not because it's a one-way street, basically, right? Uh, some people write into me sometimes, but I'm not connecting my listeners, either yeah. with me or each other, really. Like, I mean, it's not like me and my listeners, except for the people who are paying for pro, which is closer to a community. And I would love to connect them, but, you know, they're really just paying me five bucks a month for the extra content at this point. Um, and I, again, I said to a friend, as like, I shut down Facebook, I shut down Circle, I shut down Slack. And I was like, maybe I'll spin up a Discord. Like, that seems like a good thing. He's like, stop. <laughs> stop it. Don't do things people aren't asking for. I'm like, right. Don't do things people are not asking for. So, um, Yeah, my, uh, my CTO is a big fan of uh, the newsletter Garbage Day. And I gather they've got a Discord that's one of the uh, um, paid tiers in their Patreon. And so that, because they're in there all the time, they're chatting about the articles, um, they're talking about it. You know, there is a real community that then flows from the newsletter. Uh, And that, you know, that's, you know, that's the difference is like they, the newsletter is a reason for the community and the community does exist and they gather together. Yeah, and that was, you know, at some point I thought like, oh, one of the things that we'll do in the community, right, is talk about the recent episodes. And I realized that people just wanted to kind of learn from the latest episodes, right? They didn't really, oh, well, I thought, like nobody really cared to share their thoughts on that sort of stuff. And I'm not talking about controversial things, right? I'm getting advice from you. Hopefully the listeners find it useful. I certainly find it useful and I have a lot of ideas. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I think uh, I, I really like that bit. and so. Again, you know, if if you're a pro member listening right now, right, and you want to connect with other pro members, let me know. And we'll probably start with Zoom, right? I think that probably makes the most sense. Um, and then I'll have other things in the newsletter. I hope I think convert see I'm really early days with the ConvertKit integration right now. I think that I can make paid newsletters available for paid subscribers, but I'm not even sure about that. Like <laughs> We might just have like a password protected Airtable or whatever <laughs> for you to access old content. Um, this is where in the pre-show, if you remember, if you want to know what Drew and I talked about in the pre-show and what we'll talk about in the post-show, you can pay five bucks a month or 50 bucks a year and sign up over at howibuilt.it slash pro. And that's ad-free extended versions of this show. Every show for the last two years. Um Year and a half, maybe. But anyway, that's how I built it slash pro. Um, this is like one of the things we talked about in the pre-show, right? Is is I moved away from WordPress because I wanted a really light architecture. And I think I've gone too light, right? Like I think I was like, I had like heavy cream and I wanted 2% milk. And now I have skim milk. <laughs> and no one likes skim milk. Um, so... We'll see. Hopefully some of the things will get resolved. But um, so this is, uh, we've been talking for a while already. And I, these, I think we covered like some really good topics. What makes a community a community is, I love your answer, right? Um, you have a product called Burb. Uh, you have a company slash product called Burb. And Burb just created something called Launch by Burb. So first I want to ask you, what does Burb do? Um, because again, I haven't really dug in and, and looked at it, but I like the tagline of uh, easy automation and analytics. I love automation. Um, so can you tell me a little bit about what Burb does and how this can help community uh, owners, organizers, people who run their own communities? Yeah, yeah, we think about it as um, you know community first businesses. And fundamentally, what happens? You're a creator. You know, you're in these early stages, you're figuring out what the community wants, um, you're building it for them. And then all of a sudden you kind of like, you hit it. Like you've got a community of maybe 10 to 20 people. They're now engaging. Everything that you do at that stage is all bespoke. Like you're sending them custom DMs, welcoming them to the community there. You're checking in on your own metrics. Like, okay, who's, who's logging in? I haven't seen so-and-so in a while. You can keep all of that in your head. Um, And then there's something that happens kind of, we found it's really somewhere between 10 to 50 members. All of a sudden, all the things that you were able to do at 10 members that really made the experience special, just stop working. Like you can't do them anymore. Mm. Fundamentally, it's like a an N squared or a telephone problem that like, you know, where you could have sat down and written 10 thank you DMs to everybody on the holidays. 
um, going and writing 50 then becomes really, really onerous. And especially if the community like continues growing faster and faster beyond that point. And so what you need are things a little bit more like email marketing tools. Um, you need to start automating. Uh, but most of the folks who are doing this, of course, like don't come from a tech background. They don't, like Zapier is scary. Um, right. It doesn't, you know, uh, if you wanted to have a memory of like what people have done, you know, you need to find out, figure out Airtable. Uh, and you spend all of your time, like we, we look at these scaled communities and, and people have figured it out. Um, you know, people like Jay figured out Zapier a long time ago. He knows how it works. He's super comfortable with it. When he needs to build a new automation, he just goes and does it. But for everybody else, you know, there's there's this huge barrier of getting from one to the other. And that's an easy place where a lot of communities die. And philosophically, we thought, like, if so many communities are dying at that moment, what if we could take all of those best practices, package them up, put templates around them, make them really, really easy to use, uh, so that you can kind of push past that that barrier without having to go like learn a bunch of new um, crazy tools, just make it that much easier to succeed at building you know a community business. Um, and so the <clears throat> first and like easiest things for us to build were all about messaging. Uh, if mm-hmm. you wanted to send ten, fifty, five thousand um, DMs at a time. You know, that's actually something really easy for a a computer to do that's really hard for a person to do and literally no product in the community space has that ability. Uh, So we have the ability to send, you know, bulk DMs with email marketing like customization, the first names and pull in the variables and stuff like that. Oh, that's cool. You know, Uh, Justin Moore does that for his cohort-based course. Yep. And Pat Flynn, uh, because I'm in the SPI Academy now too. Um. And I was wondering and, how and guess they, I'm what like, most does, of those people have in common. <laughs> yeah, interesting. Because uh, I was like, I don't think it feels like Zapier would time out doing that. Yeah. Right. Because like you can't really loop stuff in Zapier effectively. Um, you couldn't even do it in Zapier because you would have to build an Airtable to tell it to go do that stuff. And then right. Would, and then like the Airtable would have to update. Right. Because that's how Zapier works. It's going to look at oh what column has changed. Um, yeah, that's really interesting. So, so, but Burb does that. That's really cool. Yeah. So like that was the first thing messaging, um, even posting on a schedule. If you're running a course, if you're running a cohort, you know, you want messages to come in weekly. Like you were talking about, you had your VA going in and logging in and just saying like, you know, posting the same message. We could actually pre-schedule out that content, put it in drafts, um, you know, months in advance. Oh, Um, nice. And then yeah, because when I was that, using Circle, they didn't they didn't allow that. That's why, I, like for again with Zapier, I had to do like schedule this thing at the same exact time every week, um, and like nobody engaged with that because it just became the same exact post every week. Yes, but scheduling exactly. posts, like yeah, that would be amazing. Yeah, and then from messaging, we moved to automations, and the idea was like uh, the phrase that that stuck for us was like, what if Zapier actually knew what you were trying to do and it was helpful <laughs> rather, than, <laughs> rather than you reinventing the wheel every single time yeah. you wanted to use it. Um, so there are automations around welcoming new members, getting them to post in the intros channel, following up with them, even gamifying that experience a little bit if they do things like that. Um, it uh, will connect. It'll let you know who your um, members who are dropping off and actually send them follow-up messages via you know DM within your Circle, Slack, or Discord community, or even send them an email um, from your own Gmail inbox, um, which is a super powerful way of reconnecting people. Um, recently added Typeform integration so that we can you know basically automate the onboarding survey. So if you had people, let's say, you know, let's say you're trying to introduce podcasters who have different areas of focus. You could ask them their focus area in a survey, and then basically when they come in, it could slot them into the right channels within your within your Slack, so that they're in with other people who have that same you know focus area of their podcast. And then, yeah, built all of these as like templates, so they're point and click, so you don't have to like keep reinventing this. This episode is brought to you by Ahrefs, an all-in-one SEO toolset that gives you what you need to rank your website in Google and get tons of search traffic. And now you can use their webmaster tools for free. Ahrefs has been instrumental as I try to get more traffic for podcast liftoff. Their webmaster tools are made for small website owners. Connect your website through Google Search Console and get your site audits, backlinks, and keywords data. 
If you create content, this is a must-have. Gain a following and increase traffic to your site for free. Sign up at ahrefs.com slash A-W-T. That's A-H-R-E-F-S dot com slash A-W-T. This episode is brought to you by Paid Memberships Pro, the membership plugin for WordPress. I am so excited to have them as a sponsor because I actually use Paid Memberships Pro for my podcast liftoff playbook. I use it because it is the most customizable. I think it's extremely easy to use and it is feature rich. They also have integrations with everything, Zapier, ConvertKit, MailChimp, Stripe, PayPal, so much more. I'm a huge, huge fan of it. Uh, A couple of the features that they have, unlimited levels with flexible membership pricing, including non-recurring pricing, which I think a lot of membership plugins lack or don't do as well. Um, They have customizable reports, popular payment gateways, uh, premium add-ons, lots and lots of extensions. If you need a membership plugin for your WordPress site, I can't recommend Paid Memberships Pro enough because I use it for my site. So if you want to check out PM Pro and all it has to offer, you can head over to howibuilt.it slash PM Pro. That's howibuilt.it slash P-M-P-R-O. Check them out. Let them know I sent you. Thanks so much to Paid Memberships Pro for sponsoring this episode of How I Built It. This episode is brought to you by LearnDash. Look, I've been making courses for a long time. I've taught at the college level and I've created curriculums for several different organizations, including Udemy, Sessions College, and LinkedIn Learning. When I create my own courses, there's no better option than LearnDash. LearnDash combines cutting-edge e-learning tools with WordPress. They're trusted to power learning programs for major universities, small to mid-sized companies, startups, and creators worldwide. What makes LearnDash so great is it was created by and is run by people who deeply understand online learning and adds features that are truly helpful for independent course creators. I love the user experience. And now you can import Vimeo and YouTube playlists and have a course created automatically in seconds. I trust LearnDash to run my courses and membership, and you should too. Learn more at howibuilt.it slash learndash. So let me ask you this now. I didn't didn't intend for this to turn into like a sales call, but I'm very interested in this (laughs) as someone who's, I mean, right... the the tagline for the show is like free coaching calls from successful creators, and it's I it's always been a place for for me to learn and grow and help people. Um, and I'm like in the thick of this right now as we talk. You have a free tier, uh, that is member CRM activity feed, um, up to a hundred members, a thousand email only members. What does that mean? It means like you can essentially send emails from Burb to these members. Yep. Yep, you can load them up via CSV. We can connect to your ConvertKit um, as well. And those are like non-community members. We don't really want to charge you too much for that. So we don't even, actually, to be fair, we don't really enforce that even. Um, wow. Because <laughs> we'd rather, yeah, work with your community members than kind of the, the yeah. broader kind of ecosystem of folks that you connect with. Yeah, so it, I mean, it sounds like, tell because I was telling you about all of my problems in the pre-show. It sounds like Burb's free tier could help me solve some of the problems I'm having. Yeah, 100%. I think the biggest thing, we always caution against over-automating in the early days for that kind of like purpose of of discovery, making sure you're doing all the right things, that the stuff you do in the early days, um, you know, it's the do things that don't scale moment. Yeah, and then like yeah. that, that 10 to 50 is to, about taking what you were doing that was really special about your community um, and then automating that piece of it. Gotcha. Um, I really love what you do things that don't scale. Cause this is like something again, s- software engineer by trade. I released a product yesterday called the profitable podcaster pack that takes a bunch of the resources I've created over the years. And then I added 
a few really valuable ones, like uh, my podcast planner, an Airtable, and a video walking through how to use it. My automation library, which is an Airtable of like, here's all the zaps I use. Here's some text expander snippets. It's very valuable stuff. Um, and I thought, how am I going to deliver this? Oh, I guess I could create like a little password protected page or I can turn. And then I was like, no, I'm just going to make an Airtable and share the Airtable link with them. And they'll get the PDFs as a zip, right? Because ConvertKit does that. And I really had to like fight the urge to not over-engineer it. Because I don't know if anybody's going to buy this. Yep. But I know that having an Airtable will be useful either way. Um, and so, you know, do things that don't scale. Again, in my head, I'm thinking, all right, well, for how I built it pro, like delivering the podcast is easy because Castos handles that. But like you, uh, member only videos, right? I'll do some of those sometimes to supplement the episode. And those are like quick, easy, you know, recorded in Ecamm. Unlisted YouTube videos. I don't know if I should say that publicly, right? Maybe if you like, but <laughs> I was like, so how are they going to find like an archive of these videos? I guess I'll just email them. Like they don't need, I guess what I'm saying is not everything needs to be like a blog post style thing, right? I'm yep. delivering value in the moment. If people like it, they can bookmark it. I don't need to provide that service, at least right now. And then with my 20 members, if one emails me and says like, hey, where was that link? I could find it for them at that point. Exactly. Yep. Um, so that's good. Like, do things that don't scale. It's something like you hear, but like, you know, it's like, th- there's timing for it to land. And I feel like it really just landed with me, like right now. So thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, think about engagement of those things as like a long-term value. Like, yeah. near term is, am I giving them what they were looking for, what they're paying for? And then long-term, how do I make sure that it's easier and easier? Um, especially because the first people you're going to get are going to be the most diehard, interested people in the first place. Um, so they're going to work a little bit harder. Later stages, you get, you know, grow and grow. You know, those are going to be people who heard about you casually, you know, through word of mouth or whatever. They're not going to put in as much time and effort um, and going to want to. Um, so you have to spoon feed your, your later people, your later adopters yeah. a little bit more. Uh, but the early folks, yeah, they can... You know, they're they're gonna work for it a bit more. Yeah, which I guess kind of goes back to to I think this is in the pre-show too. Um, the kind of vitamin versus painkiller, right? Um, if you truly create like a painkiller, especially for your podcast, for your community, right? You probably will get people who are not necessarily diehard fans. They are there for the painkiller. Um, later on, so yeah, so you you want to make. I'm always worried about making it as as easy as possible, as early as possible, but. I need to remember that like, okay, like, I mean, shout out to AJ again. Like AJ has gone through multiple iterations of this with me. He really digs what I'm doing. Uh, and like there, I, I mean, I'm picking on AJ because he was the last, the most top of mind person, but there's a core bless group the of AJs people. of the world for it. For yeah. Supporting bless it. the AJs of the world. Right. <laughs> and I have a few of them who have like really made me want to continue doing pro because it, it, it could be worthwhile as long as I package it the right way. And so, um, yeah, super, super great insight. Now, we're coming up on time. You've been talking for a long time here. I want to touch on Launch by Burb because this is something slightly very different from the actual Burb product, right? Yeah, yeah. We we fundamentally, I think, like we talked about, Burb is really about that scaling moment when you've got the thing that works and you're trying to get it to this, uh, this better place over time. Um, and I think what we've been thinking about a lot is how do we help folks at the very earliest stages? Cause we do see, you know, building community businesses, memberships, courses, uh, even group coaching, master classes, you know, you name any kind of place where people gather and um, you know, there's a mentor is kind of helping people through something. Um, most of the people doing this are actually still at the very, very earliest stages. When you hang out in a lot of communities where folks are talking about this, where they're interested, they're, they're, like at a, at a very early stage, they'll be talking about Squarespace versus Wix versus WordPress. We're mm-hmm. talking about Thrivecart and Samcart and this thing and that thing. They'll be talking about ConvertKit and MailerLite and ActiveCampaign. And then like, I need to go learn Zapier to connect all this stuff together. It cracks me up because I talk to them and they're like, well, I'm not a techie. Like you've been staring at feature request sheets and building pros and con lists for like six months. Yeah, <laughs> you're you're as technical as you can possibly be on this topic. Yeah, <laughs> and you know you'll talk to them and like 
um, a certain number of them won't have like really done their their work in discovery. Won't necessarily have, uh, you know, they need to actually take a step back from tools and go talk to people more. But right. talking about enough- tools is like the fun thing to do, right? Yeah, and that's why people do it. <laughs> yeah. but for an, an, a whole other cohort, they just like I don't know if it's fear or if it's just confusion of what's the best thing or if they're just trying to gild the lily and just have the absolute perfect moment. But we're like, what if we just made it really, really easy for you to launch? Like just take that zero to one step. Finally, stop staring at feature request lists. Finally, stop staring at, you know, billing forms and and trying to figure out Zapier. What if we uh, took the landing page and made it as easy to build as like a LinkedIn bio tool? Um, we built tiering around that. Um, we took even a step back from like what we do with Burb, like deeply integrating and just like made it platform agnostic so that we don't care if you're on WhatsApp or Facebook groups or whatever. Um, and we handled the recurring billing for you. We'll set up the Stripe, we'll, we'll bill monthly, annually, uh, whatever. Can we do that? Would people be interested in it? Would it get people to off the fence and really finally launch? Um, and, you know, so kind of hitting between Burb, the core product, and launch, talking to different segments of the exact same market of people on on this whole journey, um, and just helping out kind of a broader segment of these uh, of these businesses. Yeah, and I like that. Right, the thing like when you launched, so I basically maintain a product hunt account to log in to vote for my friends' products. That's like really all I do. Um, and when you launched this and it was on Product Hunt, I like immediately upvoted it or whatever they call it there. Is it upvote? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what really appealed to me was like, it's like you have a payment form and then you can connect to Circle or Discord or Discourse or Facebook groups or like whatever thing, whatever thing that doesn't have a native payment processor, right? Yep. Like you can do that and then add people to your thing. And and I it, again, I don't know if in the pre-show we talked about churn. Um, so if like someone stops paying, like can certain things like you, they don't allow you to go in, but um, how easy is it for to like revoke access? I'll also, quick sidebar, this is also what I'm thinking about too, is like before I even have a ton of people in the door, I'm like, how, how am I going to prevent people from accessing things they're not paying for? And I really need to, I think I need to get over that. Like, I'm not giving away the world's secrets here. I'm showing people how I use my Kindle scribe. If they get That's access we, to that video and they don't pay for it, like, it's fine. That's certainly how we think about it. Like, there is, there's fundamentally the need to want to make sure that people are paying for what they're receiving. Um, and I think that's fair and... um I think at a small scale, at 100 people, you know, it's somewhat irrelevant. If, if 15 of them are hanging out and haven't paid their recurring fee, like, that's not a ton of money. You know, it's not mm-hmm. costing you a lot yeah. of time and effort. But we do <clears throat> regularly talk to um, communities of 4,000 on Facebook groups. Uh, that is a paid community. They are supposed to be paying for access. And when you ask them who should be in there and who shouldn't, no idea. They have no idea. Uh, and yeah. that's... You know, that membership that I'm referencing is $500 a month. So, like, that is a wow. serious chunk of money uh, that they could potentially be losing. That's like a, an employee, basically, right. that they could hire if they, like, caught up with all those folks. That's um, that's basically, like, Gumroad's cut at this point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and so, uh, for apps that we integrate with, that we can tell, um, that have APIs around the circle being one of them, uh, we'll have tools where you can just, uh, we won't automatically remove people yet. Uh, we're still waiting to hear whether people want that. That's a little harsh to just automatically boot somebody. But we'll yeah. have tools where you can like hit the button and and remove them okay. uh, from within the interface. Other ones for Facebook groups, which effectively has no API for doing any of this kind of stuff. What we'll do is we'll maintain the list and we'll build you a workflow that will say, okay, this person has stopped paying, go remove them. Uh, we'll send you an email when that churn event happens. So you can go into Facebook, remove them, and then come back to us and hit the task saying, yes, I've removed that person. So we'll at least help you with the tracking and the workflow around, you know, removals of people. Cool. Yeah, that makes sense. And like, that's like, okay, again, like kind of based my big gripe about ConvertKit, right? Is maybe I just every month need to go in and see who's tagged with that product. And 
I assume I could see see who's still paying. I assume I I can at least see that. <laughs> one hopes. I, yeah, one hopes. Right? And so then maybe <laughs> it's like, you know, okay, maybe they'll get like two extra episodes, right, uh, of the feed before I boot them from the feed or whatever. But again, I think like you said, you know, you have a community of 100 people and there's a handful of people, especially at, at you know, I'm charging five bucks a month. Right. So if it's like 10 out of 100 people who didn't pay and it's a 50 bucks and and if they're adding value, maybe that's fine, too, still. So um, cool. Well, this has been I really feel like I've got I've gone on a little transformation in this conversation, <laughs> which is great. That's what I hope for. Um, I, I, I want to leave the listeners with this, uh, which is. Um, if they want to get started today and they're starting like absolutely from zero, um, what is the first step you think that they should take to start their journey to building a community? Yeah. Step one is forming a hypothesis of who your prospective members are and why they're going to want to come together. Um, that's, that's step one. And then, and then beyond that, asking questions in such a way that doesn't like, force that on people, but try and get them to say that back to you and you can identify folks in that audience. So that, that cool. very first moment of discovery. We yeah, actually, absolutely. we could, we could share this too. We, uh, yeah. I've got a blog post about this and yeah. uh, a notion template for actually going through that discovery process. Oh, nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'll include that in the show notes. All the show notes will be over at how I built that. slash two nine nine. This is episode two ninety nine. So be sure to subscribe and uh, stick around for episode 300 because I'm, I assume I'm going to do something really nice that I haven't thought about yet. Uh, so stick around if I deliver or if I just fail and fall on my face. Either way, that's good content. Um, so I'll definitely link that in the show notes. Um, and that's great. And then based on your hypothesis, I would assume you go you go to a place where those people are hanging out, right? So if it's, um, if it's Twitter, if Twitter's still alive by the time this episode comes out, <laughs> um, or one of the bajillion Mastodon servers or whatever. Um, and and you start kind of asking questions and building a following that way, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm from that. I was starting with the idea that you already had some kind of audience uh, mm-hmm. already on a newsletter or, or Twitter yeah. following of some kind. Um, but yeah, that's the next step: is where to identify those folks, bring them together, and you know who are who are going to be your first few members that are going to be really you know excited uh, to use yeah. the thing. I guess really that's like step zero is before you even think about building a community, like make a name for yourself, right? <laughs> like yeah. you can't just like show up out of nowhere and be like, all right, I'm going to make a community. <laughs> Let's do this. If I started, yeah, well, if I started a YouTube course, I would not, <laughs> nobody would listen to me <laughs> and they shouldn't listen to me. I have no idea what I'm doing. Yeah. YouTube. <laughs> awesome. Well, Drew, this has been great. Uh, stick around for how I built it pro uh, where we're going to talk about gum road. Uh, Cause as we record this, the gum road news just broke. Um, and Twitter, because Twitter seems to be on a bit of a downward spiral. Um, but I think people are sticking around there because of the community. Uh, so we'll talk about all that and how, I, and how I Built It Pro. You can sign up in the show notes over at howibuiltit.it slash 299. Drew, if people want to learn more about you, where can they find you? Uh, yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter. It's Drew, D-R-E-W-D-I-L is my, Drew Dill is my uh Twitter name. That's also the same on LinkedIn. Uh, yeah, I keep. I'm starting to run out of spaces to connect people to uh, <laughs> with all these these social sites. Yeah, go to, go to burb.co, um, burb.co. That's uh, that's the company site, and I uh, am usually the person who answers the support emails. So that's you can find me there as well. <laughs> nice. I'll remember to be polite. Always remember <laughs> to be polite in your support <laughs> requests, friends. Um, I'll share a little trade secret, which is a callback to an old format of this show where I always asked every guest what their trade secret was. Um, when enough people kept saying, I already gave it to you, and I'm like, all right, I'll stop asking. I'm like asking the right question to get the best <laughs> info, I guess. But a little trade secret is uh, switchy.io is a great service. It's a short link service. It's an app sumo deal I, I actually use. Uh, and they allow for a custom domain and a little landing page where you can add social buttons. So, you can go to joe.casa slash links and it's like all of my social links. Now that's like where I've been sending people. Um, that's the link I used to try to get banned on Twitter uh, for the six hours that you weren't allowed to post other social links. <laughs> uh, sadly, I didn't get banned though. All right. Well, Drew, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate you joining us today. 
Thank you, Joe. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank Yes, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, thanks to our sponsors for this episode. Uh, I'm going to restart that because I don't have my sponsors up. I X'd out of that sheet. <laughs> so, uh, Joel, you can edit out my outro, the thing I do the most. So I'll clap my hands and we'll try again. Thank you. And of course, thanks so much for listening. Thanks to our sponsors for this episode, Ahrefs, Paid Memberships Pro, and Learn Dash. Be sure to check them out. You can find them and everything we talked about in the show notes over at How I Built That It slash 299. And uh, if you are a pro member, be sure to stick around. It's going to be a lot of fun if you're not. Sign up. Uh, and until next time, get out there and build something. <laughs>